nothing. What in the fuck is that? That's deep, bro. Hi, I'm Christina P. Thank you for downloading this episode. Lots of cool shit to get deep on, bros. It's it's great. Today is the first day of autumn. Thank Jehovah. Thank Allah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Buddha. Uh, Thank you, because I hate summer. And I, I don't know why people get so geeked on summer but for me it just means horrible fashion i never looked good in shorts not even when i was a child i looked so dumb in shorts uh bad fashion um but days are long which i don't i don't need 12 hours of sunlight a day it's fucking weird that it's eight o'clock at night and the sun is still out i didn't i don't like that uh i don't like heat i don't like that and um and yeah, I like I like to fall. This is this is it, man. This is the season, right? Get your cup of cocoa, eat some treats, decorate your house for Halloween, because that's coming and that's the best. All right, but first, down to some business. I am kicking off my tour next week, doing stand up in select cities. Uh, I'm gonna start off the 27th at Seattle. Um, actually, you know, let's be real. It's Tacoma the Tacoma Comedy Club, the 27th. I'm excited. I haven't been to Seattle in a long time. I don't know, maybe two years. And then the 28th, I continue on to Portland, Oregon at the Helium Comedy Club, October 4th, Hyenas in Dallas, October 5th, Houston at, shh, it's a secret, the secret group, October 23rd, Indianapolis at Morty's, and then October 24th, Cincinnati, Ohio, at Go Bananas. And then December 9th and 10th, this is way in the future, Washington, uh, D.C., D.C. Improv, which is arguably one of one of the, the best clubs in the country. I love the D.C. Improv. I love the staff there. I love uh, everything. I do. I really... <laughs> also, guys, uh, do your shopping using my banner, pretty please, when you do your Amazon stuff. Holidays are coming before you know it. Before you know it, you're going to be like, do I want to go to the mall? No. When you want to do it on Amazon, here's what you do. You go to thatsdeeprowpodcast.com, click on the banner at the bottom of every post, and you do your shopping as you normally would, and do your Christmas shopping. I highly recommend it, man. Have packages sent to people's houses. Don't travel with parcels in your luggage. You think TSA is going to be cool about that? When you got your carry-on and all those ba- all those boxes wrapped, you think TSA is going to be like, yeah, no, go ahead, keep it wrapped up. No, they're douchebags. They're going to make you unwrap your gifts, and they're going to ruin your day. That's what TSA is really good at, really good at. Oh, t- I just freaking, ugh, I hate when I click on stuff and then it disappears. Okay, let's get into it, guys. Uh, lots of deep shit for you. And I was listening to these dudes when I was making fitness today. So I thought I would open the show with them. Let's do it. If I can click in a timely. Best band in the world, maybe? The Beastie Boys? Shit. This is one of those songs 
that came out. This is on Ill Communication. I was like a teenager. And you're like, what the? what is this Tibetan shit in the background? <laughs> Why are there dudes chanting? And then you realize that the beat, the Beatsy, Beatsy, Beatsy boys had like, they had an awakening, I guess. They, they kind of went east, eastern, and they had an awakening that maybe they shouldn't just sing about girls, girls, cleaning up my bathroom and bitches and this and that. And uh, it's so cool. Like how, how many bands get away with like uh, deep shit in their songs? Very, very, very rare. Okay. So let's see, what do I got for you? This week I went to meditation as I always do every week. I go, I got my, my strict regimen now. I go shrink. I go meditation. No, sorry. I lied. I go, this is the truth of it actually. I go to my shrink and then I go to McDonald's. Don't tell anybody. I go to McDonald's. I get the two cheeseburger meal. I get the fry and I get the full sugar Coke. Now, here's why. Don't judge. Here's why I get the two small cheeseburgers because it's really, you know, what, 250, 300 calories. Yeah, it's horrible food. Yeah, the fucking bun is made out of styrofoam and there's salt on the fries and it's horrible for you. But you know what? It tastes like heaven. McDonald's is heaven in a bag. Just once, once in a week. Once a week I do it. It's my little dirty secret. I eat clean all the rest of the week. I swear to God, I do. Okay. I do my fish. I eat uh, turkey, ground turkey. I do all kinds of stupid recipes to stay healthy. And then once a week before my meditation class, which is ironic, I, I eat total dog shit. And I, like I said, one small cheeseburger though. Come on. That, that's not going to kill you. One small. And then I only eat like half the fries and then the Coke, which is, I don't know how McDonald does it, but that Coke is like the perfect ratio of carbonation and sugar. And I've heard that they really monitor it so that it, it's, it's heaven every time. Because people, I mean, people have been saying this shit for years. Like they go to McDonald's just for the Coke. That is how perfect. And the fries, when you get a a thing of fresh McDonald's fries. I'm not talking about that shit that's been sitting around. I'm talking like hot out of the fryolator and it's just salted perfectly. God damn, I'm going to go to McDonald's right now. <laughs> and the burger for me, what does it? It's always the American cheese, right? It's like shitty American cheese, but it's okay because it's perfect with that uh, the sweet, sweet, sweet sugary ketchup on the salty fries, right? That's why it's good. It's salty and sweet. And then you got the onions, and the pickle. Now the pickle is really what for me seals the deal on those cheeseburgers. It's like, oh, it's a perfect combination. And it's so funny when I was pregnant, I was eating Carl's Jr. like twice a week. My mom died when I was five months pregnant and I lost my mind. And I was at the Carl's Jr. drive through twice a week. because I was so hungry and I was cleaning out her apartment some days. And you know, when you're pregnant hungry, you're fucking hungry. There is no waiting. So I would just like, roll into Carl's Jr. I would get the onion rings, the Western bacon cheeseburger with extra barbecue sauce. And I would pull over and just eat in the parking lot like a total savage. And then I have to get my Dr. Pepper, which I think is the most perfect soda of all Dr. Pepper, hands down. It's my absolute favorite. I don't drink it very often because it's poison as, as is Coca-Cola, you know, uh, I haven't had DP in a long time. Fuck, that sounds good. So the point is, is that now that I'm unpregnant, the thought of rolling into a Carl's Jr. makes me violently ill. Like I, I was like driving past one yesterday thinking, oh, remember that jam? That, that was my jam. I gained double the weight I was supposed to in the month of July because I was eating Western bacon, oh, Carl's Jr. Uh, Western bacon cheeseburger. I think those are called, they're called Hardee's in other parts of this country. But uh, oh, that and In-N-Out. But In-N-Out's good. If you're going to do fast food, In-N-Out's probably the the least evil because it's actually made with fresh fresh meat they don't freeze uh thaw out the meat that, that's where it really gets you is that frozen ugh, and the buns are all probably froze unfrozen too at mcdonald's but who cares you think i give a shit you think i give a shit you think dan pena gives a shit i think he does i think dan pena cares a lot more than i do because he's he's the 50 billion dollar man and i'm the 50 dollar man you know what i'm saying you know what I'm saying? All right. 
Let's, uh, where's Dan? Where's show me your friends and I'll show you your future. There we go. There he goes. So I, uh, I went to my meditation class as I always do. And, uh, you know, it's so great about it. So many wonderful things about living in Los Angeles. The absurd things, there's absurd things, you know, like, um, people carrying their dogs around in uh, baby strollers. I see that a lot. I don't really judge it too bad. Because I, I was a dog person like that. Like, I'm a dog nut. So, you know, I get it. Maybe the dog has problem walking or, you know, who knows. But uh, we got those lunatics. Um, you know, we got the yoga lotties ladies in my yeah meditation class. These beautiful, um, agile, sinewy-bodied 20-something gorgeous girls in their little yoga. I'm telling you guys, if you want to meet women... If you want to meet women, go to a meditation class. Go to like an uppity one, not not a real one, not like, you know, um, an actual Indian ashram one. I'm talking like go down to, you know, some yupster place. Go <laughs> somewhere yuppie and somewhere where like white snobby people meditate. That's where I go. And go and, and find these these hot vegan um, you know, yoga lottied women. There are just there are so many girls in my class who are like perfect. Anyways, the, I mean it's it's ridiculous. So there's one girl. It was there's one woman who I don't know what's going on with her, but I I, I try not to judge. I don't. I try not to because you don't know what's up with people, right? Anyway, this uh, there was a new woman, a new to meditation woman sitting next to me. This older woman and. You know, she's kind of freaked out, as most people are, because it's a weird thing to get together with a group of strangers and do, right? <laughs> Who sits in a dark room full of strangers and and does nothing? Essentially, you sit there and, and go into outer space, right? And she's uncomfortable, and she sees this girl walk in that I see, who everybody sees, and I see this girl all the time, every week in the same class as me. And she's carrying, <laughs> I just love this shit, a pillow, like a full pillow, not like a tiny little, I'm going to rest my rump on this, like a full bed, king-sized pillow, and then a comforter. <laughs> and um, and then she has like the wrist wraps that you see people who have carpal tunnel, they wear those, like full, both wrists too, not just one, like full wrist wrap. So you know, I'm like, okay, something's, something's doing here. There's some, something's going on, either mentally, physically, or both. I don't know. Um, but they give you something to sit on in meditation class. You get like a little foldy chair thingy that you, you sit on the floor, but it's like folded up. So you have back support. So, you know, and it's not, and I never cold in there. It's never really cold in LA. So the newbie, was next to me, this older woman who has a cold sore, which I'm not judging that because who hasn't had a cold sore? But you know when someone, I don't know why people do this, well, they, when they have a cold sore, they put lip gloss over it, which just makes it even more pronounced and shiny. And you know when someone's like right next to you with a freshy cold sore and there's gloss on it, the whole time you're, I'm just trying not to look at it. And it's uh, it's glossed just shellacked and you know anyway she sees the pillow girl and just starts shitting on her like oh my god what's what is this oh boy brought the whole bed huh and I started laughing because like I've had that thought before and you know but I don't say it I don't say it to other people there you know and uh, I think the girl heard this woman shitting on her and kind of threw her a glance and I, I, and it was right at the time where the old lady was like, look at this, Brad. And I was like, I know. It's here every week. <laughs> I said it out loud. I felt really bad. I'm pretty sure this poor girl heard me talking shit. Uh, but hey. Well, then don't bring, you know, your fucking weird pillows and blankets to meditation class, weird beard. What are you doing? You know, you know how fucking weird you look, right? Like, how do people not know how uh, weird they look. They fucking, they know. You want to know why you're all fucked up? Yeah, because you bring pillows and blankets to meditation, you weird beard. This phenomenon is weird, and then I don't understand this, so I take Ellis to baby 
school once a week. We go to some cute little, you know, mommy and me type of baby class. And they do shit like they, you know, this stimulates your baby's sensory perception. And they throw balls around. <laughs> like, no, it doesn't. No, not really. You know, come on. This will teach your baby depth perception. And they, you know, put out some fucking blocks and the kid touches a block and puts it in his mouth. <laughs> okay. You know, I love the American need to to make sure that our, our children get a head start. Even from nine months old, he has to have, a, you know, a perception and, and all this nonsense. He has to be ahead of the curve, right? even a nine months old. I mean, I just go because it kills time, really. You can't occupy a nine month old uh, every second of the day. It's more exhausting for you. So we go just to kill some time and I... Uh, it's a fun class, though. It is fun. But I, I don't buy this whole, like, oh, this is what we're stimulating in them. Like, no, nah, you know, we're fucking blowing bubbles. Okay, let's just call it that. Throwing stuff around. Getting all dirty. So I, what I noticed in this class, though, which I don't understand, is some of the other mommies are just not very polite. And I, I don't understand this. And I, I tell you, I, I, ha, I am guilty of feigning of um, fending off rather stranger interaction. But that's usually f- with the dudes. Like if I'm at the grocery store, I got the shades on, you know, don't fucking talk to me. Let me just get in and get out. But that's really more to fend off weird beards. And that's in a stranger context. That's in I'm out in the world and I don't, you know, you don't know who the fuck you're dealing with. But in the mommy class, I mean, we're all, we all see each other every week. It's the same group of people, the same group of babies. And some of these fucking bitches don't even say hello. I mean, how rude can you be? And I'm not asking for a life story. I'm not asking for coffee. I'm not asking for a back rub. I'm just saying, I mean, when did civility uh, become thrown out the window you can't even say hello that absolutely makes me nuts by the way is uh, the person who doesn't have common fucking courtesy like when you meet somebody hi my name's christina just fucking you know hi i'm sandy and you shake somebody's hand firmly don't be one of those limp noodle fucking pussy handshakers you shake the person like you have a fucking soul and you look them in the eye. I mean, is this just is this just some because these people are raised by wolves? They don't know how to be uh, considerate. Ah, it makes me bonkers that. And I'll tell you, and and I'll tell you another one that makes me nuts. Shh! Don't bark, you idiot! The f- shh, shh. Baby's sleeping. I have my fucking kids sleeping and schnitzel. And the feet, they just got groomed today. They look adorable and schnitzel's barking. No barking. Another one that makes me nutty. And this is an American thing too, I have to say. I absolutely, and I, it's nothing, you know, I hate when people don't know how to eat with a fork and a knife. I go crazy. When I see somebody stabbing their food, uh, you know, like a fucking primitive uh, cave person and then using the, the knife improperly. I mean, I almost, I almost want to go over there and go, let me help you, boo-boo, let me help you. I'm going to have a fucking tutorial on how to eat with a fork and a knife. And that's, that is an American thing too because the Europeans teach their children how to use a fucking fork and a knife uh, from the time you're four years old. You know how to do this properly. Ugh, makes me crazy. Okay. Uh, I'm having a midlife crisis. I believe that I am. I I'm going through like a goth a, a goth renaissance. I I just bought this goth jacket on a website called Sisters of the Black Moon. <laughs> my friend Shauna texted me. She goes, "Oh my god, I want this jacket I found on this gothy website." And I go, "What?" And I'm looking and it is my jam. It's like goth shit for 40 year olds, you know, like it's not, it's not like hot topicy goth, which is embarrassing. It's like, I'm a little goth leaning. I've got a little more money in my pocket than I did when I was 15. 
so I can afford all natural fibers. <laughs> but I have bought such a goth outfit and I like I had to like ask permission from my husband in a way not not in a 1950s sort of sense but in the way of like am I am I losing my mind here are you going to ridicule me mercilessly for my new goth outfit cuz what it is it's like a long flowing black cotton gauzy looking you know just drapey vampire jacket and then I got a dress, a black dress to go under it. So it's like extra ethereal kind of flowy looking. And I know it's because I'm 40 now and I'm, I'm halfway to dead. And I just know, I just know that this is some kind of a midlife crisis. There be plenty of cunts here, but you may be the first cunt to walk out. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see how this goes. My new goth attire. Okay. So that's my life. That's where I'm at, guys. It's just a good week, pretty mellow week. Just um, living, interesting, loving life. Um, all right, let's answer some emails. I like this one. This is a pretty cool one. It says, Dear Christina, I'm a 42-year-old married woman in need of new friends. While I care deeply for the people in my life, I find them to be intellectually stagnant with very shallow interests. I work with really intelligent folks which trigger insecurities I have about my intelligence and make me feel uninteresting. While I'm working with a therapist to deal with these issues, hello, good for you, anonymous. I love it. I also think it would benefit me greatly to be around interesting people who inspire me. Ugh. Of course it benefits you to hang around with interesting uh, people who inspire you, right? Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. We know that from Dan Pena. Okay. My circle, my current circle of friends are single and focused on finding men and looking younger. They don't seem to be into more than hanging out at lounges for fun. And I've definitely outgrown that. Do you have any advice on where I can find cool, fun and interesting women to hang with? I live in NYC. Oh, New York city. So great. Man, if you can't find it in New York city. Oof. Um, well, it's interesting that you wrote something. I just, I don't know why, but it, it was kind of interesting. You say that you, so your friends have shallow interests. Yeah. I mean, look, you're telling me, uh, the female friends that I've, I've had most of them I've had since I was like 13 because I've found, you know, people who are deep dwellers, um, who are soul soulmate buddies of mine. And I've just, we've clung to each other since we were 13. So I get it. Once you find those people, hold on. Cause there are few and far between, you know, I think a lot of people, not even women, you know, they're just trying to get by. They're just having their fucking low frequency discussions, their low frequency um, problems. Right. It's a uh, boy. I don't know. Anyway, you say this is this is what I was thinking that was interesting. I work with really intelligent folks, which trigger insecurities I have about my intelligence and make me feel uninteresting. So on the one hand, you already work with really cool people. You say that they're they're interesting and they're intelligent. So you do work with them. You are surrounded by intelligent people. So can any of those people be your friends? And I know it's weird to make friendships at work but some i don't know every now and then i've met somebody who i've worked with who i really like uh but that you say that being around intelligent people triggers insecurities you have about your own intelligence so okay so i'm thinking that the problem might be is that you know you kind of you you get what you put out right whatever frequency you're transmitting from your transmitter is what boop, 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 someone else is going to pick up on and go, oh, there's another one like me. And then you kind of go and you see if that's, you know, if you guys share a frequency. And um, that sounds so vague. So let me say it another way. You know when you are focused on a goal or focused on something, something, finding interesting friends. Let's say that's where your brain's calibrated towards. I want to find interesting friends. And you have that thought. So you're seeking that, right? Because you, your brain will then pick up on all the other things that are interesting people. It'll pick that out of a crowd. Now, that only works if your tuner goes, 
well, I'm an interesting person and I deserve to have interesting friends. Therefore, I shall find interesting friends. And you'll kind of discard that which doesn't work for you, meaning you'll meet dullards, you'll meet whatever, the people that don't interest you. And you'll just kind of be like, oh, no, that's not right. No, that's not right. But if your picker is off, if your tuner, if your core is like shaky, where you're like, I'm not sure if I'm smart. I'm not sure if I deserve to have nice, intelligent friends then you're going to keep picking the people that don't inspire you, right? Because you don't believe that you deserve um, to have what you want on the inside. I wonder why. The, I, I know you're talking about, though. One time I, I, I studied at Oxford University. I, I studied philosophy there. And I, uh, I thought it like, oh, won't this be like the funnest thing ever? Like these people will be so cool and interesting. And I finally found my tribe because I was really into philosophy in college and then I went to Oxford and they were the most insecure douchebags like they were the worst it was so horrible they're just no fun and everybody was trying to outsmart each other like it was just a smart contest 24 7 as opposed to like hey what can we discover together what can we learn from each other it was really bad and I oh it made me feel really insecure too being around like super nerds you know like academics tend to make me feel like shit I don't, yeah, I like, I like philosophy, but I don't like academia around it. I don't like having to be super smart about it all the time. <laughs> like maybe there's some ideas that are good and then some I don't understand. Some I don't, you know, you don't have to be so fucking serious all the time, right? Anyways, um, finding cool, fun, interesting women. I think they're everywhere. I do. And I used to not think that way because I was so like, I don't know. Maybe I was insecure, but there are interesting people everywhere. And I think the more you broadcast your frequency, hey, I'm an interesting, intelligent person, then you will be rewarded with meeting other interesting fucking people. I, you know, it's fine. I don't even think the duds come my way anymore. Like people just know, like, <laughs> I ain't got time. I have no time for small bullshit. I just can't. I can't do shallow for very long. I can do small talk up to a point and then my asshole just puckers and my brain explodes and I can't talk about handbags for more than like 10 minutes. Although I can, I can talk about fashion and makeup and stuff, but God, it just fucking bores me to tears. I can't do it. Ugh. All right. Anyways, let me see. Oh, this one came in and I really like this cause I was just thinking about this this week actually. <laughs> This person, this is funny. This person who wrote this, his name, his name is Travis. And in parentheses, he wrote pronouns, he, him, and sometimes Zer. Because <laughs> I've, I've gotten some tweets from people that say in the academic world now that people are putting their pronouns at the end of their emails, which is <laughs> hilarious. I know, call me a, God, I don't know. What's the word when you're, uh, gender phobic am I gender phobic uh but I don't I don't I don't know I don't really buy this stuff because I know that gender identity is different than sexual orientation gender identity is uh fluid I understand that um I mean I'll tell you I don't feel 100% like a woman all the time maybe sometimes I'm more masculine does that mean that I should have different pronouns throughout the day that maybe until noon, you can call me she. But then from noon to 8 p.m., I'm more of a macho man. If you could refer to me as he, Zer, Zim, I don't feel either. Like right now, I'm pretty androgynous feeling. I don't feel like a man or a woman. And I'm offended that you guys aren't respecting my pronouns right now. <sighs> okay. Travis, Travis, Travis writes, Dear bro, Mommy Tina, a.k.a. The real water champ. Heller. Thank you, Travis, for acknowledging that I am the real water champ. I am. Thank you. Okay. I've been on my spiritual journey for several years now and three mushroom trips and one Ramdas retreat later. Oh, that's cool. I've, I've never been. I want to. I know Duncan Trussell does a bunch of stuff with him now, too. Um, anyway. I could honestly say I'm beginning to understand the meaning behind ideas like, quote, being in the present moment. And life is suffering and suffering is attachment. There is, however, one question that I can't wrap my head around a solution for. 
Okay, how do goals and aspirations coexist with the spiritual idea of being free of attachment? Isn't one's dissatisfaction with the present moment and desire for reaching their goals the driving force that pushes them in the direction of change and improvement? Uh-huh. I'm writing to you as a 23-year-old single male living in Midland, Texas. I've been to Midland, Texas. I performed in a shed uh, that was a comedy club. <laughs> oh, and my opener, my the host, actually lit a fart. And that was one of the hardest things to follow. You can't follow somebody lighting a fart. It's impossible. Okay, so this guy works in Midland, working a job I have no passion for. I could free myself from the attachment to the idea of leaving. I could be here now in the present moment and find peace, but I'm afraid that if I do that, I'll wake up 30 years from now wondering why I never left. I guess why I'm asking is where's the line between content and spirit and, and becoming complacent? Am I accepting my present moment with peace and detachment or am I using this newfound spiritual path to mask my apathy and why bother approach of quiet complacency designed to settle or destined to settle for a life that isn't great, but good enough, I guess. Whatever. All right. Okay. Oh, he writes, in truth, I'm not afraid of living a long, uninspired life and dying in this ass backwards as fuck town. I am afraid of being okay with it. Okay. So I think you are afraid of living an uninspired life. I don't think you're okay with it. This is a really good question and one that I struggled with for a long time when I started listening to all these fucking hippie new age spiritual leaders because it is very, very confusing because they tell you to, right, meditate, quiet the mind, be free from desire. Um, life is suffering, accept the suffering. So if you accept the suffering and, you, and if you are meditating away your desires, then you're not living like a human being. You're living like a yogi, right? And not yogi bear, like a yogi, someone that practices the shit. So Nietzsche had a wonderful, wonderful observation about uh, Buddhism. He did not like the Eastern way of thinking because he felt that it led to what is called a quietism, um, which is just what I was talking about, that maybe the will to... to the will to extinguish desire, the will to um, to be free of the bondage of human bullshit, basically, is is negating one's will to power, one's will to do anything. And and yeah, I agree with you. In part, that that is what is going on with that way of thinking. So, and I and I guess in countries where you can't do shit, like India. <laughs> <laughs> telling people to just be okay with not having desire is a is a pretty good way because you know if you're born into a caste system let's say where you're uh in a poor family and you're never going to go anywhere this way of thinking at first blush is probably really appealing right and if you get close to death too that's another appealing way to live so all this stuff, the spiritual stuff, this meditation, this, you know, acceptance of suffering, um, letting go of attachment to things and being in the present moment, a lot of this stuff does prepare you for death. I believe that's why we are taught this stuff. And to meditate, it's kind of preparation for one's death. So how do you be spiritual and have goals? and do shit with your life and how do you know what the difference is between complacency and being here now right i get it so here's what i think is the difference because i'm a very um ambitious person i like realizing my goals and should we just sit around and smoke dope and think about the universe sometimes yeah but no you should want for these things and I think any decent yogi, I know my, my favorite Swami Sachidananda, Swami Sachidananda, will tell you that, yes, you should go for these things. But I think the key is to not get so wrapped up in the getting of the things that you don't enjoy life because that's another rat race to get into, right? It's staying conscious while pursuing your goals. Okay, what does that mean? Well, it means to be able to decipher between 
the ego saying dumb shit to you versus what you really, truly want. Meaning, okay, there's things that you should want, let's say. Uh, You should want to get married and have 2.5 children and buy a house and live in a big city. You should, right? But let's say, Travis, you're one of these people who doesn't want to do that. But let's say you go against your inner judgment uh, and you follow this ego, should, 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 and you build a life of bullshit. So that's, that's, I think, the benefit of this spiritual practice is to prevent you from making those kinds of mistakes. Now, how does it prevent you from doing that? Well, if you meditate and if you listen to your inner voice enough, you'll soon be able to decipher between the actual wants that are going to make you fulfilled and feel good about yourself versus the should game, the bullshit, the stuff that you know is motivated in insecurity or attachment, right? Things that are like stupid <laughs> that you don't really, really want. Like a lot of people say to me, Christina, why don't, why, you know, you don't, why don't you want to be in movies or uh, this and that? I'm like, well, I don't like acting. I just don't. <laughs> I really don't enjoy it. And I know I should want to be, I guess, a big movie star, right? Because you're a comedian. Don't you want to go to the next level? And I go, well, Maybe that's good for other people, but I don't, that wouldn't make me really, truly happy, right? What makes me truly happy is this. I love podcasting. I think podcasting is the greatest thing that's happened um, and since the beginning of technology. This is, this is it. This is what I really enjoy. And I love stand-up. Those are the two things I really, really at my core enjoy because it's a connection with people. There's something behind it. It's not just ego shit. It's a desire to connect, a desire to make a difference, a desire to uh, be heard. Yes, that's part of it too. So there is a danger of falling into complacency with the system of Eastern thought. There is that danger. So the point is, is to be still so that you're not kind of caught up in the world and what the world wants for you. And if you're still enough, you can hear a guidance system. And that internal guidance system is the point from which you make your decisions. Not the outside in, but from the inside out. And that way you make meaningful choices and you take meaningful steps. That's why, you know, I'm um, like all these coaches, they tell you, these live coaches are like, do what you're passionate about. Like you hear that so often that it becomes meaningless. Do what you like, do what you're passionate about. Well, the reason they say that is because I think that to be successful at anything, you're going to go up against a lot of uh, resistance from others, from yourself. There's going to be a lot of disappointments. There's going to be a lot of trials and tribulations. And if you don't believe in what you're doing, then you're not going to be able to go, um, you're not going to be able to get past those trials and tribulations. You're going to give up because you don't really give a shit about what you're doing. So all this stuff, it's not to get you into not doing anything. It's to get you to be free from the results of work. The attachment stuff is be, try not to think so much, what am I going to get for what I am giving? Okay. For instance, I could record this show or make a comedy album or do a set at the um, comedy store And I can be really caught up in the results of that stuff, right? Like, oh, I hope people like it. I hope I, gosh, I hope I get a standing ovation tonight, like, and all that. And that that makes you miserable only because you're focused on the outcome. And when you're focused on the outcome, you don't make as good a stuff because you're worried about the outcome. You're you're in your head. So in order to get out of your head and just go with your heart and what your soul is telling you, you have to forget about that stuff. And that's, you know... The suffering, the attachment, you're suffering because you're expecting something to happen and it's not happening. You're, you're, something was, you're, like my, the Swami I like, he says, disappointment is because something, you made an appointment with something and then you were disappointed when it didn't happen. So I think a lot of this Eastern stuff I take with the, I don't take so literally because I, I'm not sure if you're supposed to or, if people do, I think I think the great gurus do. I think Ramdas takes the stuff, you know, more more ad hoc. But I don't know because I've heard talks where he 
he gives in to his bullshit. Everyone still goes through bullshit and through bad decisions. It's just kind of how you live your life now has a nicer backdrop to it with this Eastern thought. Um, you know what Ram Dass did for me? He ruined um, eating for me. It's funny because he had this line. He's like, once you're awake, you can't get lost in a pizza anymore. And which is true because I used to be such an overeater. Like I, when I talk about going to McDonald's and I get a tiny cheeseburger and I eat a little bit of the fries, it literally is that I just want to taste. I want to be bad. I want the sweet and the salty and then I'm done with it. And guess what? For dinner, I don't blow it. I have something really healthy and small and I negate the damage that I've done. But I used to order the pizza and eat the whole pizza and get lost in the experience of eating the pizza. But I think once you once you get a little more conscious and you realize like, oh, that's not going to do shit for me. <laughs> the pizza is not going to solve the hole in my heart. The alcohol is not going to fill the void in my heart. Uh, You know, the emotional stuff is not going to be taken care of with something outside. And that's the the purpose, I think, of the spiritual stuff too. So goals and aspirations coexist absolutely with the, the free from attachment, just meaning free from the outcome. You put out your work, you do good stuff, and you don't necessarily wait for the treats. The treats come, the treats go. And believe me, they come and they go. And there's an ebb and a flow to things, to your career, to your love life, to your family life, to to everything. There's an ebb and a flow. So the attachment stuff is just to not be so attached to the coming and the going of material things, of your health, of your looks, of your whatever the fuck it is. And to realize that you're really, um, your core being is 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 soul is spirit is whatever a piece of the divine and that's why being in the present moment all that shit that they tell you it's really just to calm the fuck down you know because when you're freaked out about the future and you have anxiety right all that anxiety is is what's going to happen tomorrow what am i going to do it's it's a fear of not being able to handle stuff so bringing yourself back into the present is just a way of going all right what is happening right now that is so terrible? I mean, unless you're being mugged <laughs> or stabbed, then that's, but most of us aren't. Most of us are just freaked out in our cars and traffic or whatever the fuck it is we're doing, right? Anyway, I hope that helps, Travis, because I, I don't think you should meditate your life away. I don't think you can. I think that the people that have successfully done that are yogis and spiritual leaders for a reason because that's the path that they've chosen to to will away a lot of these human um, inclinations, which I don't think they ever really do because I think Ram Dass even said, you know, he does struggle with uh, human things. They all do. They all do, these gurus, I believe. I don't know. I mean, you know, Duncan's guru, that guy was super fat. What was his name? I'm sorry, I can't remember, Duncan, your guru, your sweet guru. But he was a big fatty, so he was overeating, obviously. They're not all skinny, perfect uh, yogis, gurus. They have their own stuff. Everyone has their own shit, man. Everybody has their own fucking shit. Here's a good one. I like this. This is from Brett. <laughs> Christina, why does Bert always have to say, honestly, not going to lie, and I'm going to be 100% at the start of every sentence? He always asks, do you want me to be honest before a sentence? (laughs) Can I be 100% before another sentence? That's hilarious. Brett. He's referring to me doing Burt Kreischer's podcast a while back. And it's funny because I noticed that too. It's only because Burt is a bit of a ham. And he's a little bit of an exaggerator. So when he's when he's not exaggerating, he needs to point that out. So I think you're on to something. And he's he also he's also very fat, which I think um some of the adipose tissue is taken to his brain. When you're that fat, you 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 don't know what's truth and what's untruth. Okay. Oh, Jeff. This is from Jeff. Hey, mommy. I'm a 21-year-old male, and I find myself currently in a situation where I'm back at home with my parents to get my entire financial life. Good for you. Before I move out again and try getting my adult-ass life again, 
There are certain things I have to pay for before I leave again. A few things that need to be taken care of, uh, but can probably be taken care of wherever I end up. Bankruptcy at 21, off to a great start. (laughs) And then there is the optional savings to build up, which is simply there for comfort. I've decided to jump wholly wholly into moving to a bigger city and becoming a comedian. But I've also found an opportunity to move to Europe and work as a farmhand which would be cheap but would cost and travel expenses, which would add to the financial needs. And then I hear so many stories of just packing a bag and moving to start a comedy career with $5 to your name and how that sort of risk is needed to make it, but I don't know. All right, what are your thoughts on preparing before jumping into things like starting comedy? I can so easily see finances as being an excuse to not move and try it. Any thoughts? Yes, many, many, many thoughts, Jeff. So number one, Comedy exists all over the world. I have performed in Midland, Texas. I have performed in Afghanistan. I have performed in every shit dump town in America. I performed in Europe, in Amsterdam, in the United Arab Emirates. (laughs) My point being is that you don't need to go to a major city to start your comedy career or any career. Because of technology, for one thing, I'm not just talking about comedy, you can start doing shit. You don't have to be necessarily where the people are in the very, very beginning of anything, especially with comedy. And I think it's an advantage to you to start small. Wherever it is, I don't know where you're living with your folks. My recommendation is to either go to the open mics in your, to- in your small town or start one. Start one. If you have to drive an hour outside of wherever it is you live to go to an open mic or to start one, then do that. I don't believe in rash things. I know that there's a lot of mystical things, stories about, well, I landed in, you know, New York City with $5 in my pocket and I just made it. Well, you forget that a lot of times these people, you end up racking up thousands of dollars, again, in credit card debt to do such a thing. And it sounds like you've already had a financial whoopsie at 21, filed bankruptcy. So uh, it sounds like you want to be impulsive and either go to Europe and put yourself in the hole financially again or go to a big city and put yourself in the hole again. (laughs) My recommendation, stay home. If you like where your parents live, you're 21 and they don't seem to have a problem with you being home. Uh, I sure as fuck would if you were my kid. <laughs> Kick your ass out. But they're cool with it. You're living rent-free, I'm guessing. Save up money. Go get a job. Yes, any job. A job. Set aside six months, a year, whatever it is, you're only 21 of your life, and work a shitty job and save your money. Start an open mic. Start writing jokes. Do your open mics and, you know, listen, this Europe thing, you can do that too, but that's not going to propel your career life. I don't know. Want to go to Europe for a year? Go. Go fucking do that and then come back and and do this. Uh, I don't know. There's always value. There's value in doing that too because you're not going to have anything to talk about on stage if you haven't lived a life. So if you want to go to Europe, go to fucking Europe. But if you want to go move to a big city, I always tell young people, Save up as much money as you can. Have money in your savings account. Get a roommate. Just line up a job if you can before you arrive. Shit like that. Don't just fucking show up with five. Don't do that. That's reckless and it's impulsive and it, you're going to end up fucking turning tricks <laughs> in Guadalajara. No, you're not. Uh, but you don't, you don't want to do things the hard way if you don't have to. Ah. You know, so many people write, how do I do this? How do I do Just fucking do it. That's how you do stuff, you know? That's absolute truth. How do I start comedy? Just, you just have to do it and then do it over and over and over and over. That's all. That's all there is. But why the fuck are you filing bankruptcy at 21? You better get your entire financial life. I recommend my son, my love, my sweet lamb, my 21-year-old, don't file bankruptcy at 21. That's really, I mean, I know a lot of people that do do it in their 20s because you rack up a lot of credit card debt buying shit you don't need or sometimes shit you really do need because you're off on your own and no one's helping you and I understand that. But read your financial books. Go read your Susie Orman. 
Get your life. You don't want to do that again, boo-boos. Once I get it, everyone, everyone racks up debt in their 20s. <laughs> I think that's called being 20-something. You go, I went to New York City a few times and put a few hundred dollars worth of shit I couldn't afford on a credit card. I went to Europe on credit cards. I did it all. Not good. I don't recommend it for other people. <laughs> I think you should save the money first so you don't do that. You don't want to be in a hole that young. There's no need to work yourself out of a hole. You're already in the hole right now, Jeff. You're already in the hole. Susie Orman. All right. All right, kittens. Let's see. What do I got? I'm going to go downstairs. I'm going to make some chili, some uh, turkey chili. I like that. Hang out with the kid. Have a good night. Oh, man. I don't know. I got to finish watching Penny Dreadful. Season three is out on Showtime. I love that show. I love Masters of Sex. Kevin Christie's on there, who's a friend of That's Deep Bro. He's been on the show. Uh, I've invited him back to discuss grief again, part two. Uh, It's been a year since uh, my mother died, and it's been a year, not since his father passed, unfortunately, but a year of grief, of dealing with grief. So I want to check in with him. Uh, We'll have him on very shortly. Yeah. All right, guys. I hope that's that's been deep enough. Um, yeah. Have a good week. Enjoy your fall. Go get your pumpkin spice lattes at Starbucks. <laughs> get the protein box. That's what I do. And uh, yeah, stay deep, bros. Email me. That's deep bro podcast at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know your feelings. Let me know what you're doing what's your life about let's talk about it all right buddies until then that's been deep bro now what i don't know philosophize Philosophize with Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans, this ain't your mom's house, it's a different theme, gotta be critically thinking, like you caught up at a cocktail party, our thoughts start to sink in, John Locke, or was it Socrates, Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates, got us talking all properly, topically, just a comedian discussing these philosophies, serious questions, silly people, what's that? That's deep, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.